let's get started. So today, we're going to take a, a step back and take a bird's eye view of parenting, okay? Bird's eye view of parenting. Our question today is, do my children belong to me? Wow, that kid's really cute. <laughs> okay, so yes, this is Daniel Burke, and I saw that picture on Facebook, and I just had to steal <laughs> So I, I work in the nursery as well because I adore babies. Um, so anyway, um, watch out, moms, because your child might be here. <laughs> All right, so the question is, do my children belong to me? We bore them. Oh, yeah. We bore them. We feed them. We clothe them. We change their diapers and bandage their wounds. We discipline them. We love them more than we could ever imagine. And we have huge hopes and dreams for them. They are our responsibility. We are their mothers and we worry a lot. So let's stop for a second before we answer this question. Let's look at some mom worries, okay? So I looked, I did some research, and the New York Post uh, this year put out a new survey that showed the top parent worries, okay? Um, and they found that, an incredible, that parents spend 37 hours a week worrying about their kids. Five hours and 18 minutes a day. Now, if you don't meet that, then you're doing really well, right? Um, but you know, it is, it is an overwhelming job. 59% of parents reported that they lose sleep at night often over worrying about their kids. Wow. What are, some, what are the things that keep parents up at night? What are you worried about? Let's see what the survey said. Number one worry, that their children are safe. Number one, okay? Number two, whether their children are happy. Number three, your children being bullied. If you have grade school children, this is a real concern these days. If children are keeping up in class, getting good grades, fitting in with others, eating okay, all the littles, the ones, there's a lot of you with babies in here and that's like a big concern, right? Are they gaining weight? Are they eating okay? They're, they're enjoying their childhood. We want them to be happy and enjoy their childhood how easily they'll be able to make friends. Do you see something missing on this list? What, are something, what is something that occurs to you that might, might be up there? Anybody? Make it to heaven. Whether they make it to heaven. Okay, that's a good one. So that's a Christian concern, right? That's not necessarily, this is not a, a survey, but this is a survey of all people. Um, think about the pandemic that we just went through. Okay, a lot of moms worrying about what? Health, right? Children's health, making sure that uh, want, wanting to keep them safe. And I guess they probably wanted to sort of include that in the safety one. Um, so, but there's one more that this poll found, okay? Um, and I should preface it by saying, well, no, I'm going to show you this one first, okay? So this poll, I'll tell you why this is up here in just a minute, but I just need you to see the last one. Mice. 
she had a kid with lice. My daughter had lice when she was six. And she has this jet black hair. And it was, it gave a whole new meaning to nitpicking. <laughs> right? Awful, okay? So I had to leave that up there because I think it's so hilarious. Anyway, the study was done by something called One Hole and the Lice Clinics of America. <laughs> so that's why that's up there. But I just thought it was hilarious because having had lice, it's a fear. Okay. Um, Seriously, Heine is the one who found it, and after that, he um, every time the kids would itch their heads, he was like, ah! <laughs> All right, so in all seriousness, guys, why do we worry? Why do we worry so much about our kids? Well, would you say we love them and we don't want them to suffer? That's certainly one, right? If anything goes wrong, then we feel like it's our fault, maybe, and we can't control what happens to them. Their lives are in our hands, but are they? Let's see what God has to say about that. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. It's on your handout. If you guys want to switch to your small group handout now, you will see the verses that we're going to go through today, and then you will uh, go through these questions in your groups. So Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So David wrote this psalm. He was considered a great prophet. He was also a king of Israel for many years. And although far from perfect, God called him a man after his own heart. And I just love that. David wrote this psalm proclaiming God as his creator. He also claimed him to be his sovereign and omnipotent father, as you read on in this psalm. David assures us here that God knows us intimately. So let that sink in for just a moment. God knows our faults and our flaws, and he still loves us because he knew us before the foundations of the earth. That's what this Bible, this word, this verse teaches us. One of my favorite images from this verse is of the knitting together in our mother's womb. Does anyone here knit? Ah, oh, you heard me somebody. Okay, Jessica can do anything, seriously. <laughs> if there's a craft, she can do it, okay? Um, Y'all, I'm craft challenged really badly. <laughs> which is why I didn't teach elementary school, went straight to high school. <laughs> and um, But I admire those who are crafty. Jessica has all my um, admiration. Uh, so since I don't know what knitting is, I looked it up. I mean, I kind of know, but I've never done it. Um, I looked it up, and Google tells me that it is the technique of making interlocking loops of yarn into something beautiful and purposeful. And I just thought, wow, God, that is the perfect word here. That you created us, weaving us together in our hearts. 
and for his purposes. And you are beautiful. We are beautiful. Your children are beautiful to him, even when we don't feel it. So let's stop for a second and just think about the human body. Okay, my father was a cardiologist, and I heard about the human body a lot. Um, but don't worry, I did remember all the stuff I looked at. Uh, so think about the human body. It's a single structure, but it's made up of billions of smaller structures, including cells, tissues, organs, and systems. And all of our systems work intricately together in unison to sustain life. We have 10 major systems in our bodies, including cardiovascular, endocrine, digestive, muscular, skeletal, just to name a few. So complex, working in perfect unison. Then let's think about DNA. You guys know what DNA is? DNA is a complex, long chain molecule that contains the genetic blueprint for building and maintaining all living organisms. It's found in nearly all cells and it has the um, carries the instructions, DNA carries the instructions to create proteins which are essential to the functioning of the human body. It also transfers, DNA transfers genetic material between generations. Years ago in the 1990s, a theory called intelligent design emerged as scientists studying all of this, the human body, realized that all these functions, all these systems in our body are what's called irreducibly complex. And what does that mean? That means that if any of them, any of the component parts were removed, any of them, the entire system would cease to function. Incredibly complex, working together. This is no random accident. We are designed by God. For you created me in my mother's womb. You knit me, you, you created me in my inmost being, and you knit me in my mother's womb. That's verse 13. In the King James Version, this is really cool. It says, it reads, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou covered has covered me in my mother's womb. Thou hast possessed my reins, is the King James. And where that comes from is reins is translated from the Hebrew word meaning kidneys. Thou hast possessed my kidneys. <laughs> okay, but if you look it up, the Hebrew people understood the kidneys to be the seat of our desires and affections, which we would call our heart. Very good. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. That's what the writers, that's what David was talking about. Your, my reins, my kidneys. He knows, he creates our desires. Not only does God create us physically, but he creates our soul. He calls us by name. He puts, he puts an innate longing for him on our hearts and breathed life into us. He knew everything about us before we were made. This is an impossible concept for us to grasp because of our finite human minds. But God is eternal and infinite. And he exists outside of time. Bible teaches that he knows you, he knows your children. You are image bearers, 
You are created in his image, and you are image bearers. He is our perfect heavenly father. The concept of God as our creator is all throughout scripture. I want to share one more verse with you. Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. I, you are mine. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. This time, the great prophet Isaiah proclaims God to be a personal and relational God to his people. He is the one who formed us and knows our name. We do not need to worry because he has redeemed us. He has sent his son to forgive our sins and give us eternal life and to walk through with us through this life and hold our hand. We are in the palm of God's hand. Y'all, he is not just an old grandfather that sits off in a corner and created us and left. He is a being, a spiritual being, three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love the rest of chapter 43, uh, Isaiah 43. I just wanted to read it to you. I decided to do this this morning. That's why it's not on the slide. Um, verse 2, when you pass through waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. As mothers, y'all, this is a hard one, but we are only instruments that God uses in creation. We are the instruments he uses to create his children. We belong to God, and as hard as it is to accept sometimes, so do our children. But we often parent like they're our possessions, do we not? So that's what we're going to spend some time talking about today, is ownership versus ambassador parenting. So I'm using a, a, a lot this year, this semester, I will be using a book by Paul Tripp called The 14 Gospel Principles of Parenting That Can Radically Change Your Family. It is not your typical parenting book with tips and, and how-tos, but it is a heart of parenting book, and it is very powerful. So he introduces ownership versus ambassador parenting. What in the world are we talking about? First of all, ownership parenting is motivated and shaped by what parents want for their children and from their children. It doesn't need to be overly selfish or destructive or abusive. It takes place in the small everyday moments of parenting. But it, is, it might feel right, but it is foundationally misdirected and misguided and Getting our, and helping our children discover who God wants them to be. I have seen the firsthand results of this in teaching at Vanderbilt High School. I can tell you, everyone knows that society today, that children are more anxious and depressed than they've ever been. Record numbers, y'all. I was in the high school every day. I can tell you, it is real, okay? Yes, societal pressures and social media are a big part of that. But I believe another big part of that is the pressures that parents put on their kids as owner parents and not realizing it. I saw it every day. Even well-meaning Christian parents can communicate that success and performance and other values are more important than serving God. And so 
We're going to talk more about that in a bit. Let me explain what ambassador parenting is. Ambassador parenting is about what God in grace has planned to do through us in our children. Okay? So why does he call us, why do we need to be ambassador parents? Let's look at why God gave us children in the first place. Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. So David also penned this psalm, and he wrote it as a, as a, uh, a blessing to his son Solomon. And if you know anything about Solomon, King Solomon, he was David's son. He grew to be the wisest and wealthiest king of that time. People came from all over the Near East and the Far East to meet him. He was also called by God to build his holy temple. David wanted to, but David was told by God, no, you have too much blood on your hands from fighting all my battles, getting things in order in the kingdom. So now I'm going to give it to Solomon, who's going to live in peace, and he's going to build my temple, and the people are going to have a whole new way of relating to me. Solomon was a gift to David. Children are a gift from God. They belong to God and are on loan to us. That's a really hard thing to grasp, but they belong to God and are on loan to us. They are meant to be his legacy, not ours. And at some point, we have to release them to go out into the world and live his calling on their lives. Tripp puts it this way. We are merely agents for him in the lives of those who have been made in his image and entrusted to our care. Just like an ambassador in the government, their job is to faithfully represent the message, method, and methods of the one who has sent them in character. We must do that for God in the lives of our children. God chose each of you specifically to be the mother of those precious children that you have. And he will give you and has given you what you need to be the ambassador parent for him in their lives. But why is this so hard to live out? We want to be, the, we want to be uh, ambassadors for God and do the things that he wants us to do, but so often we fail. Why is that? Well, it's because of what the Bible calls sin. Sin is anything that we think, say, or do that misses the mark of God's perfection. So, sin causes us to find punishment more natural than grace. Sin makes us be more demanding than patient. Sin makes us look at the faults and weaknesses of others instead of our own. We talk rather than listen and we choose selfishness rather than sacrifice. I have struggled as well with this. So let me tell you a personal story, okay? Poor Alex, she gets another story in the room. Um, so my oldest, Alex, extremely strong-willed, I homeschooled her first through fourth grade. God called me to do that, and it was a great experience, but it also had its ups and downs, as everything does, right? I've done, by the way, I've done everything. Christian school, public school, homeschooling, you know, y'all talk to me, I can, you know, give you all the ins and outs of all. Um, none of them are perfect, um, but anyway, let me just tell you this story. So in our last year of homeschooling, because fourth grade did us in, um, <laughs> I decided that Alex, who was really, really smart, um, needed to take Latin. Because 
I come from a very educated family, and I didn't get into an Ivy League school, but she was gonna, okay? So I decided that she needed Latin to boost her SAT scores, and it was fourth grade, and somebody told me it was time. <laughs> this, is, this is legit, okay? Well, Alex being Alex, First of all, I bought these videos that were super boring. And I would sit her in front of the video and she was like, you know. So I didn't talk to God about this. I didn't get her buy-in on this. I was determined she was gonna do it. Hmm. One day, after about three weeks of this, she got so fed up, she stood up and stomped off as I was trying to get her to cooperate on this thing. And I was so angry with that I went after her as she was walking away, stomping away, and I reached out and I grabbed her big black ponytail and yanked her back. <laughs> she stood there, her eyes were bulging, and she's tough, and she started to cry. And she was like, Mom, what are you doing? And I just was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And she went up to her room and locked herself in, and it took a while, we did, fortunately, she, I asked for her forgiveness and she forgave me and I told her, you know, what a sinner I am. Um, and that was not the only time things like that happened, y'all. Parenting is hard. We all know that, right? Has anybody ever been there where you're just like, what in the world did I just do? Okay? We've all been there. I was trying to fulfill my lost dreams through her. And it was creating all kinds of tension. What a mess. Are you an owner or an ambassador parent? Ted Tripp, Dipping, Paul Tripp gives us four questions in order to evaluate our parenting. First of all, where do you find your identity? If you're looking for your children, if you're looking to your children for your sense of self-worth, and you feel like your value in life is because you're a mother, you might be an owner parent. This is an impossible burden for children to bear. On the other hand, ambassador parents get their identity from the one who they represent, Jesus Christ. Tripp says, they are now free, ambassador parents are free to forget themselves and parent with the selflessness and sacrifice that ambassador parenting requires. Whoops. Number two, do you feel it is your job to turn your children into something? Okay, this was what I was guilty of a lot. Um, it's also, I believe, the biggest cause of anxiety in our youth. Owner parents have a vision of what they want their children to be and what they uh, want from them, and they put all their time, authority, money, and effort into raising that child to be what they want them to be. Ambassador parents have come to realize that they have no power whatsoever to change their children, and they wouldn't even know what's best for them without Jesus, um, without God's intervention. Three, does your child's success define yours? If your child makes good grades, is a star athlete, gets all the accolades on the, um, in the school play or whatever it is, uh, does that make you feel like a good parent? Because God knows that many good parents don't necessarily raise good kids. Things happen. They're individuals and they have free will. So, Parents, many parents have lived for years with all kinds of guilt and regret 
because their children didn't turn out the way they thought they should. There is no guarantee, but I can tell you that if you stick with this journey, that you have a pretty good chance. Um, so Tripp Trip says, um, ambassador parents understand that successful parenting isn't about what you produce, but about what you have done. It's not about what you produce, but what you have done. We can only be a usable, faithful tool in the hands of the one alone who is able to produce things in your children. And then finally, can your child's failure damage your reputation? If you're angry and disappointed, if your child fails at something, as a lot of you have littles, um, but you'll know it, you'll know it's coming. Um, even the fears of, oh my gosh, they're not rolling over yet, or whatever it is. Um, we, if we feel like this damages our reputation, if we're worried, oh my stars, my children are not going to be seen as the smart kids that I thought they were, uh, then you might be an owner parent. Ambassador parents, accept the humbling messiness that God has called them to. And they understand that if their children are to grow and mature in life and godliness, they become not so much their trophies, but the trophies of the one whom they serve. So if you find yourself today feeling more like an owner parent than an ambassador parent, it's okay. You're not alone. I've been there. We've all been there. It's a constant battle. It's a constant battle because of our sin and because the world screams, the culture screams ownership values at us 24-7. Do they not? And, and people are looking at us and evaluating us according to those ownership values. But God doesn't. That's not what God does. He has a plan and a purpose for you as a mom and for your children. So let me leave you with this last verse, uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. And we're going to be going back to this a lot this semester. But this is one of my favorite verses as an encouragement that if you are in Christ, Okay, let's read this together. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Y'all, Peter wrote this. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life and miracles, his death and resurrection. And he wrote this in a final letter to encourage his father, encourage Christians that were scattered around all over the, the Roman Empire that they can live a godly life. Once you're in Christ, you have his divine power through his Holy Spirit. And God has given you the power you need to be ambassador of he has given you everything you need to raise these children for his glory and their good. Okay? Um, we can become the messengers of the methods and character of Jesus. And guess what? We can stop worrying so much about our children. Okay? We can stop worrying so much because if we're in touch with the Father and, this, and the Holy Spirit is empowering us and telling us how to do this, then we can raise the kids he wants us to. They are in his hands. And so the question again, do my children belong to me? What's the answer? 
ambassador of the message, methods, and character of Christ. You are intricately knitted together. So are your children. Your children belong to God and are deeply loved and cared for by Him. We're going to unpack this, all this, this semester about how to be an ambassador parent. Would you join me on this journey? Let's pray. Father God, you are such an awesome, amazing God. You knit us together so intricately when you created us. We thank you that you know us by name, that you called us, that we are yours, our children are yours, and we are just ambassadors for you. We are chosen to share your message and your character with them and raise them according to what you have for them. What a privilege, what a gift, what a reward. I pray now that as we leave this uh, space and we go to our small groups, that you would help us be mindful and open to share those things that are on our hearts right now, and that you would carry these things with us throughout the week and bring us all back next week. We thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name.